Great. Thank you very much, Shaz. Um, Dan and uh, Dale were asking me for the author of that last song earlier because they wanted to put it on the system. And I said, well, it's Sharon's go-to song. We always sing it. And Dan said, well, you haven't sung it since I've been here. And he's been here several years. It's amazing, isn't it? I thought that was still quite a modern song. But hey, there's comments about age, I'm sure. Anyway, okay, um, before I start, I just want to, I don't know how many young people we have, not so many today, um, but in a minute, uh, kids, I'm going to talk about uh, praising the Lord, and so what I've got for you are some flags that I would like you to decorate, you can decorate both sides of things that you want to praise God for, so it can be words, it can be pictures, whatever you want. And then if we get time at the end, maybe we'll have a look at some of them and we can show the adults what you've done. And at the end, there's going to be a song of praise. And while the adults are all singing and praising, it'd be great. Wherever you are, you can be waving your flags and praising God for what he's done for you. So, Osh, can you just take them back to the table for me? So at the back, there is a table. There are these flags and there are some crayons. So if the kids, if you want to go back and uh, do that, then you're more than welcome. uh, And it'd be great to share. Uh, some of you students as well, if you get bored during my talk and you want to do it too, then you're more than welcome. There's plenty of flags to go around. So, um, great. Thank you very much. Right, there we are. Good. Um, so not a long talk from me this morning, he says. <clears throat> Thank goodness for that, says the congregation. Hallelujah, in fact, says the Lord, says the congregation. Um, Yeah, this morning I just wanted to share with you a little bit of what I've been looking at recently, and it does follow quite nicely from what Joel was speaking about last week. Joel likes to be here for the first Sunday of the year, um, but the call came for him to go and speak at Cardiff, and we thought it was right that we bless other churches as well. So Joel's gone to Cardiff, and he obviously set the tone for the new year at the end of last year, last Sunday. So for those of you who haven't watched it yet, I would encourage you to go back and have a look um, at what he talked about so that you get a sense of what Joel is thinking or hearing for us uh, this year. But I've also shared with some of you that through these last 12 months, I've been taking a journey myself. I've been doing one of these, read the Bible in a year, uh, and uh, Nikki Gumbel's one I've been doing. And towards the end of the year, as you would expect, we were coming to Revelation, but we're also coming to the last few Psalms. And they all talk about hallelujah. And that's what got me thinking. I want to talk about praising God. Joel talked about what we hope he will God will be doing for us and what he senses God will be doing for us in the year ahead and thanking God for the year past. And it got me thinking, should we not be praising the Lord expectant of what he's going to do, not just as a result of of what he's done? And, and, And this expression, hallelujah, literally meaning praise the Lord, is something that we'll say when people are speaking, we sometimes say hallelujah. When people are praying, we might just say hallelujah. It's become an exclamation if praise the Lord, and we use it as spontaneously like that. But it was also a command, praise the Lord, hallelujah. So the very last psalm, Psalm 150, that's quite small, isn't it? But apologies for that. Just read this out. Hallelujah, 
Praise God in his holy house of worship. Praise him under the open skies. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his magnificent greatness. Praise with a blast on the trumpet. Praise by strumming soft strings. Praise him with castanets and dance. Praise him with the banjo and the flute. Praise him with cymbals and a big bass drum. Praise him with fiddles and mandolin. Let every living, breathing creature praise God. Hallelujah. So the last psalm there from the message. So let's look. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But only occurs 24 times as praise the Lord in the Old Testament. And it's always in the Psalms. And it comes from halal, to be clear, to shine, to make a show of, I really like this, to boast in, causatively to celebrate. But it's also got a connotation of marriage, which for us as New Testament Christians I think is quite cool as well. Because we talk about the marriage being the bride of, of Christ. And then, Yah is the short version of Jehovah, Jehovah, the Lord. So literally, shine God, boast in God, celebrate God. I think all of them are actually really quite cool. We talk about praise the Lord, but what is praise? It's so much more than sung worship, giving thanks. And I, for me, that was just quite amazing as I opened it and, and understood what it meant. And then in the New Testament, surprisingly, it only occurs four times. And it's actually, we use the term alleluia because it's derived from the Greek, but they took it from Hebrew and it all occurs in Revelation 19. And we'll have a look at that um, in a minute. But it's basically after Babylon has been destroyed they are praising God for what he's done and looking forward to what he's going to do uh, in heaven. And it was really good for me because hallelujah, therefore, praise the Lord. In the Old Testament at the beginning, the songs of praise, the psalms that we see, topping and tailing those psalms. And also we get it at the end of the Bible in Revelation, a glimpse of eternity, a glimpse of heaven with hallelujah being used again. So, it is a command, praise the Lord, hallelujah, but it's also, ultimately, a choice. And a choice means we have to make an effort sometimes. Sometimes we don't feel like praising God, we don't feel like doing something. And in the Psalm 46, it starts with, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, my soul. It's almost a, come on soul, get up and praise the Lord, you can do it. It's almost a call to, call to praise. Because we have to remember the journey thus far, the good and the bad. And it may be for some of us, the journey recently has been quite bad. And actually, we're struggling to actually see good in it. But we can make that choice. Praise the Lord. Joel last week said, when he was talking about Isaiah 43... We want to remember the journey so far. Remind yourself who the Lord is and what he has done, is what Joel said. And for some, therefore, praising the Lord can actually be quite easy because they're full of thanksgiving. Recent experiences have been amazing. 
but for others, maybe not so much. Maybe there have been challenges, but nonetheless, we are to praise the Lord. It's an act of faith. We can praise the Lord expectant. Why? Because he's proved himself faithful in the past, because God is God, not a man that he can't lie. God has plans to prosper us and protect each one of us. And so by praising the Lord in light of what's going on, that's an act of faith. And God loves it when we put our faith in him. It doesn't mean that if we follow God, it makes all things happy. It doesn't mean we're going to have good health. But we can praise him because it means we're not going through these things on our own. He's our constant support, our constant comfort. And we have an eternal hope. We praise him because he's in control. It may not be going the way we intended or we wanted, but we can praise him because we know ultimately he works all things for the good. God has plans for you to prosper you, not to harm you. I just want to break off slightly here because when I was looking into some of this, I came across a really good illustration and I really liked it. And I don't know how it quite fits in here completely, but I want to share it because it spoke to me and it might speak to some of you. We'll often talk about the Bible being our rule book, how to live. And it sets the rules. And this pastor that I was watching on a video, he's obviously a sports coach as well. And he was giving the analogy of basketball where we can choose any support. And he says, the Bible is the rule book. And he gives his players all the rule book. And he encourages them to put it in your back pocket. He was having a laugh and a joke. If the official makes a wrong decision, you can get the rule book out and tell them that's not the rules. That's not how we play. But he also said, I then have a game plan. And my game plan is for each individual person. But it's in the constraints of the rule book. So it has to follow the rule book, but it's an individual game plan for each one and I want to encourage us all this morning we've talked about it a little bit of what Chris Cartwright was saying what we were praying about what is your game plan what is the game plan that God has got for you for this season it's not going to be the same for all of us thank goodness because when we work as a team we'll achieve more together so what is your game plan it's going to be within the rules so the rule book is still valid but God has got an individual game plan for each one of you. And you can praise the Lord expectantly in that. Even in the darkness, when the lights are not on, when it's dark, hang on. God's promises are real. I've already said, oh, sorry. I've already said that in some of the Psalms, um, the, the last four or five, plus a few others in the middle, hallelujah actually tops and tails the Psalms. And that's because we're, as we've said there, remembering the journey for, so far. And we're looking forward expectantly with an act of faith. And one of these Psalms, one of the shortest Psalms, Psalm 117, two verses. Praise the Lord, all you nations, extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Just in this small psalm, 
we get an idea of what it means to praise the Lord. Who should praise the Lord? All you nations, everyone. We should all be praising the Lord. Why? Because his love towards us is great. When? Always. Forever. That's a very long time. But forever. So everyone, because his love towards us is great, forever. And if that's not enough, I would encourage you to read Psalm 111. Because that gives a lot of reasons why we need to praise God. So if you need help, I'm really struggling to praise God at the moment. Things are not great. I know I should, but things are not great. Read Psalm 111. Great are his works. His deeds are glorious. He's gracious. He's compassionate. He provides. He remembers you forever. If he promised you something, it's for an ever promise. His works are faithful and just. And then it says, to him belongs eternal praise. They're just some of the reasons why it should actually be quite easy to praise God. It's a choice. We can do it. I mentioned that this term hallelujah appears, or hallelujah, depending on which version you're reading, but it it appears four times in the New Testament, all in Revelation 19. And we've just had the complete destruction of the great city of Babylon. And Babylon can be interpreted, if you like, it's a way of describing not just at the time probably the destruction of the Roman Empire, which is probably what the writer had in mind, but also the destruction of every Babylon that's flourished throughout history. And Nicky Gumbel, I quite like the way he writes this. He says, Babylon stands for the Roman Empire, the Third Reich, Stalin's Russia, ISIS, and all the other evil regimes. Totalitarian and philosophical systems. Whole nations were led astray. And the people of God persecuted during those times. Because it says, in her was found the blood of prophets and of the saints. And so this has now happened. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for the true and just are his just judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of the servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up everywhere, ever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen. Hallelujah. Sorry, I didn't go on to that slide. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all of you, his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like the loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. 
it stands for the righteous acts or the righteousness of God's holy people. These hallelujahs weren't inspired by vindictiveness or revenge at the fact that the enemy was gone, but the fact that God had vindicated himself. He was proved that right can conquer wrong. Truth can conquer falsehood. Love can conquer hate. So these hallelujahs were a sense of relief because of the end of these Babylonian systems. The message says, the choirs praise praise God that justice has been done. Then the whole church and all creation falls down and worships God who is seated on the throne. Finally, after the fourth hallelujah, the party begins. Message for verses 6 to 8 in the message. Let us celebrate. Let us rejoice. Let us give him the glory. The marriage of the lamb has come. His wife has made herself ready. We have to go through these tough times. Hallelujah. So that we can become the bride of Christ, that we can make ourselves ready to be Christ's bride. Hallelujah. But it's not just a future thing. We can do it now. So revelation we know is a glimpse of the things that are going to come, but we can do it now. We have eternal life. This is eternal life to know Jesus Christ. Thessalonians, the letter to, first letter to the Thessalonian church, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. For those of you going through these tough times, in James it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials, because those trials lead to perseverance and they ultimately improve your character, make you more Christ-like. And that's individually, but also maybe for us as a church. Go back to Psalm 150. That gives us an idea of some of the ways we can praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. How? Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with tambourines and dancing. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with his sounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So we can praise the Lord with our singing, with our voices, with our music. But how else can we praise the Lord? How can you praise the Lord? This is me opening it up to the floor now. Shout out to me. Tell me, how can we praise the Lord other than singing? It's like being in one of my lectures. Say again. Thank you. Living a life like Christ. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, living a life like Christ. How we live our lives can be a hallelujah, can be a praise the Lord. How else? 
Thank you, Marion. Acts of kindness. How else can we praise the Lord? Fantastic. Thank you. Having the mind of Christ. What would Jesus do in this situation? Say again. Fantastic. Yeah. Humility over pride. Humble yourselves. What a great example we've just celebrated over this festive season. Almighty God coming to earth as a baby. Wow. That's, that's humility right there. I've got down here prayer. Acknowledgement. Acknowledge that God is behind things. Saying thank you. Living your life every day knowing that God is with you and just chatting to him. Being aware of his presence. Not, wait, not only speaking to him first thing in the morning or just before bed or just when you get the Bible out. Speaking to him through the day. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Fantastic. Thank you. 1 Peter 2.9. For those, there may be some saying, yeah, but God doesn't want to hear my praises. It's all very well for you standing at the front there, John. But you don't know my circumstances. You don't know what I've done. God doesn't want my praises. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You, and if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, that means you. It doesn't say not all of you. It says you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Who are you to praise the Lord? Chosen to praise the Lord. Even broken hallelujahs are important. All I can say is praise the Lord. I'm so weak. You don't know my circumstances, but I'm just going to praise the Lord. God delights in those broken hallelujahs. And there are lots of songs about broken hallelujahs. The Afters is a group that I've recently found the last two or three years. Um, and they have a song called Broken Hallelujah. And some of the lyrics... I can barely stand right now. Everything is crashing down and I wonder where you are. I'm trying to find the words to pray. I don't always know what to say, but you're the one that can hear my heart. And even though I don't know what your plan is, I know you make beauty from these ashes. I've seen joy. I've seen pain. And on my knees, I call your name with nothing left to hold on to. I raise these empty hands to you, and here is my broken hallelujah. Maybe that's all you've got this morning, is a broken hallelujah. But God delights in you. Psalm 149, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. His praise is the assembly of his faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns with humble 
the humble with victory. It opens with hallelujah. Praise the Lord, for the Lord takes delight in his people. God delights in you. You may not feel, as I've said, that you can praise him. You don't feel that he would want your praise. You may stumble, you may fail. When singing, you may not feel like you have the best voice or the best musicality. Spurgeon did a sermon on Psalm 149. I love Spurgeon. He's one of my heroes when it comes to preaching. And to want to quote him, when he's talking about Psalm 149, he says, Beloved, you know the Lord must feel that he never would have dealt with you as he has done if he had not taken great pleasure in you. Why? You are his children. I think that the Lord takes pleasure in us, not only because of all that he has done, but because he sees something special in us that pleases him. Something which is his own work. A sculptor, when he commences on this marble, has only a rough block. But after days and weeks of hard working, he begins to see something like the image he is aiming to produce. So I believe... Sorry. So I believe that God is pleased when he sees in any of us some grace, some repentance, some faith, some beginning of the sanctification which will only will one day be perfect. You know how pleased you are with your children when they began begin to talk. But it's poor talk, isn't it? It's just noises, it's just utterance. It's baby talk. But you like to hear the sound of it. The first little sentence, sentiment that drops from the child's lips is nothing near very remarkable. Yet you tell it to others and brothers and sisters quote it as an instance of opening intelligence. So does God take pleasure in the tears of penitence, in the broken confession, in the first evidence of faith, in the tremblings of hope. Because he has wrought all this and he is pleased with what he has done. Pleased to see that so far his handiwork has been successful. Besides, I believe that every true sculptor can see, can see in the block of marble the statue that he means to make. I love that idea that when we watch our children speaking and they come out with their first words, we take delight in it and we'll phone up people. Gwynny's just said her first words. Oshan's just said her his first name. It wasn't mum or dad, it was Nenny. It wasn't Gwenny, it was Nenny. But we took great delight in the fact that Oshan said Nenny. And God, sorry Osh, God takes great delight when you praise the Lord. It may be not as articulate as those next to you. But God is delighting in the fact that you're praising him. Praise the Lord. So, praise the Lord. Do you praise the Lord? How do you praise the Lord? Is it only conditional on circumstances, when things are going well, or when you need something? Remember, 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord is a conscious effort. Even in the dark, even in the trials, even when you're not sure, even when you don't feel like it. Praise the Lord to remember the journey thus far. Praise the Lord in the darkness. God's promises are real. And as Joel said last week, whilst contemplating and looking to the year ahead at Elim, at Elim Abristwith, I feel it's God is saying he will make a way where there seems to be no way. My challenge to you as individuals and to us as a church is to praise the Lord at the beginning of 2024 for what he is going to do in 2024. We may have ideas of what we think it's going to look like, but praise the Lord that he knows what it's going to look like and is in control. That is my challenge to each one of us.